0: Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have tonight to study your word. You are equipping us through this revelation of scripture. We pray, Lord, that you open our eyes, grant us mercy that will understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about weapons of our warfare, part seven. And um, after this one, we're going to go to the last weapon which is people don't even know is part of the weapon which is praying with all manner of prayers but today we are not going to go there today we are going to focus on Ephesians 6:17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God now we started to talk about this last week we're talking about the helmet of salvation that is the helmet you put to protect your your heart your thinking process if you don't Understand salvation. If you don't have true revelation of salvation, you don't have that hermit. And then your head, your spiritual head, will be extremely exposed to demonic deceit. And so in Ephesians 6, 17, 18, reading it from TPT, it says, Embrace the power of salvation, of salvation's full deliverance. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a hermit to protect your thoughts from lies. Protect your thoughts from lies and take the mighty razor sharp spirit word of the spoken word of God. First Thessalonians 5, verse 8 in TPT says, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. The confidence of our salvation. If you don't know and understand your salvation, There won't be confidence in it. And if you don't have confidence in the salvation you have in Christ, you have no helmet. You are completely exposed. Can you imagine a soldier going to the war front without his headgear? That's exactly what it looks like. The first place the enemy will attack is your head. And then when it attacks your thoughts and mind, it confuses you, throws you off balance, and, and defeats you very easily. So the helmet we're talking about, is the confidence we have in our salvation. It is the embracing of the power of salvation's full deliverance that Christ uh, provided us by his death, burial, resurrection, even ascension uh, to heaven. And we want to talk about a couple of things about this because if you don't understand salvation, you really have nothing. Basically, you really don't have anything. And so... Um, Paul was talking about the gospel as foundational truth which Christians live by every day. You know, when the Lord appeared to me and told me are you now ready to pray the gospel? And I said, yes Lord. He said, I will show you where and he disappeared. I used to think the gospel was just to preach it to people who haven't been saved. I didn't know the gospel was a message to teach the church. I didn't know that. And when I started to study the scripture, I found out that Paul Paul was preaching nothing but the gospel. The gospel is, is full of revelation about Christ and what he achieved for us. And that's all we have. You don't have anything except what Jesus paid for. If you are looking for anything outside what Jesus paid for, it's not from God. It's not from God at all. So we live by the truth of the gospel. The church needs to be taught the details of the gospel. Paul said I was sent t- to teach these things, the riches of Christ that he blessed us with. And so look at what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Dear friends, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel that I have preached to you. The good news that you have heartily received and on which you stand. You stand on it. You received it. You stand on it. For it is through the revelation of the gospel that you are being saved. It continues, the the blessing of of the gospel continues to manifest in your life, keeps you free of entanglements of lies, keeps you free. The truth keeps walking in you. Anytime you miss the truth, you go into darkness. He said it keeps you saved. If you fasting your life firmly to the message I have taught you unless you have believed in vain. Oh you became a Christian you gave your life to Christ but you have forgotten the gospel and you are no more interested in it. He said you have believed in vain. For I have shared with you what I have received and what is utmost importance of utmost importance of utmost importance the Messiah died for our sins, period. Fulfilling the prophecies of Scripture, he was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days, as foretold by Scriptures. This is, he said this is the gospel. What Jesus achieved for you and me by his death, he died for our sins, and because he died for our sins, forgiveness came. Mercy flows. We have fellowship with God. And we have new life. If our sins are not forgiven, we have nothing. Or none of these things. Made us sons of God. Gave us righteousness. But we we know why a lot of people struggle with the gospel is that it will never it will never make sense. For it is never going to make sense to anybody subjecting to rational thinking. Why? Because it's a spiritual phenomenon that you don't observe the benefits. For instance, you were born again, you don't observe anything. So it's easy for somebody to, to have confusion of mind and think these things are not true because he hasn't seen them. So it's outside the natural comfort zone of our thinking faculty. Spiritual things, are never, never rational. Because they operate by the power that is totally different, doesn't follow the, the laws of nature. What was the laws of nature when Jesus walked on water? What kind of law of nature is that? And so the gospel doesn't make sense. It should subject it to rational thinking. And that's what a lot of people do because they won't grow spiritually. So they have canal kind of minded, they are canally kind of minded. So they see things from canner point of view, and they get so confused. Look at 1 Corinthians 18. to preach the message of the cross seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction, but to us who are being saved, I love that word "being saved." It's a continuous work of keeping us free from entanglements. If we keep walking in the light and in the truth of the gospel. It is the mighty power of God released within us. 19. For it is written, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise. And I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. Verse 21. For in his wisdom, God designed that all the world's wisdom will be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who simply believe. <laughs> That's what God designed. 22, for the Jews constantly demand to see miraculous signs, want to see Why those who are not Jews constantly cling to the world's, world's wisdom? 23, but we preach the crucified Messiah. The Jews stumble over him. The rest of the world see him as foolishness. I hope you're not part of it. But for those who have been chosen to follow him, both Jews and Greeks, he is God's mighty power, God's true wisdom and our Messiah. 25. For the foolish things of God have proven to be wiser than human wisdom, and the feeble things of God have proven to be far more powerful than any human ability. So it's simply believed. That's what you do to the gospel. You just simply believe it. And then you see the word believe, 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 believe all over the place. Because you know, you have to believe spiritual realities first before you see the reality in the, in the physical world. That's the way it works. It doesn't work any other way. You have to believe spiritual realities first if you want to see it in the real world. You must believe it first consistently. Before you see it manifest in the reward, Jesus told us he it shall be to you according to what you believe. It's what you believe you see. If you believe, you see. Only believe you will see it. So it's only believed. Ephesians 2:8. They say, Why am I going through this? Because it's your hermit. You got to understand it. It's your hermit. If you don't have it, your head will be crushed by Satan. It will deal with you, it will confuse you. And a lot of Christians are confused. Many people don't understand the gospel. Many don't even believe it. They're confused. Asking hypothetical questions that shouldn't even arise. Because they, they don't get it. They don't get it. Ephesians 2, eight, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You should mark the word believe right there. When you simply believed, God saved you. Nothing else was required. Nothing. And you can't take credit for this. So you can't attribute it to anything you did because the gospel. It's about what Jesus did. It's not about what men do. It is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. There's nothing to boast about. We just received a gift from God. Now, John 3, 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, verse 15, that whosoever believeth, again, believe, whosoever believeth, that's all you need to do, in him shall not perish. You know many people who go to church don't believe this? They say, you believe that, how about this, how about that? There is no how about. There's no how about. The scripture says, what if you believe you are saved, you won't perish. Why don't we simply believe it? So the point is, when will it be true for you? When? After you die? If it's not true for you now, it won't be true for you after you die. When will it be true for you that if you believe it, you will not perish? When will you start also telling people what the Bible said? You say you are not going to perish, but have eternal life. All you did is believe. You won't perish. You have eternal life. 16, and we quote this so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth again we can't disbelieve. I think we mentioned three believers here now. In him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Repeated, repeated. If you believe in him, you are not going to perish. You have everlasting life. You are not going to hell. You have everlasting life. You can't go to hell with Jesus in you. You can't go to hell with everlasting life. Everlasting life is the life of God. The Bible says you won't perish. You have everlasting life. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. Verse 17. For God sent not his word, son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth believeth again, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's not condemned. Why? Christ has been condemned for him. He's not condemned, but he that believed not—because this is why the trouble is—if you don't believe it, if you people believe it not—is condemned already. There's not the judgment is over. He's condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Case closed. Colossians one twenty-seven. Living within you is the Christ. I wish somebody should say a big amen to that. Living within you is who? The Christ. Man, think about this. The word of God said, living within me and you is Christ Jesus himself, not another. Who floods you with the expectation of glory? He gives you the reason to expect to experience the glory of God. What's the glory of God? The life of God, the power of God, the authority of God, everything of God. Messages of God, the grace of God, everything of God. This ministry of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope. Fueled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it Christ in us the hope of glory there is no other hope there is no other reason to expect to see the glory of God except Christ in you it's not about what you do, didn't do it's what Christ did so because we don't see Christ physically in us it becomes a stumbling block and we do it in prayer. When we pray, we're going to be checking physically. Because we don't understand how God works. That God is the spirit. Wanting to jump into the physical. And if we don't see this physical, say it didn't work. Because we're accustomed to walking by sight. And we're not prepared to allow revelation to come. So that our mind will be renewed. We stop walking. Like the world. The world walks by sight. Believers walk by faith. We don't walk the same way. Because what we're talking about is a spiritual reality that God is not seen, but God is. So it becomes a stumbling block for many. Romans 9.30. What does all this mean, brethren? What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards... They were made right with God, and it was by faith that this took place. They simply believed it, and they were made right with God. If I start to one the people of Israel, many people who go to church, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, never succeeded. You know, there are a lot of people sitting in pews in churches who think they don't need Jesus. They call Jesus just to call him, but they, th- they think I can muscle my way. I make myself acceptable to God. <laughs> I can make it happen. I don't know where anybody gets that kind of idea. With all the failures they experience every day, they still believe that the devil is wicked. So the scripture says, verse thirty-one, Romans nine thirty-one: "But the people of Israel, who tried so hard as many are doing to get right with God by keeping the law, never succeeded." Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law by their (laughs) effort, the arm of the flesh. Oh, the Bible said, be you holy, for I'm holy, so I'm going to be holy. You're wasting your time. You're boasting on yourself. Within 10 minutes, you will fail again. What you are trusting has never worked anyway. The Bible said, by the deeds of the law shall no man be justified before God. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So in verse 33, I started 32, start he said, why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting in him, instead of trusting in God to make them right, they subverted God and took over and fell. The, 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 the Gentiles simply trusted, believed the gospel, and God made them right. So let me read verse 32 again. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law. Instead of by trusting in him, they stumbled over the great rock in their path. Jesus. Verse 33. God warned them of this in the scriptures where he said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble. He said, Jesus, will make you stumble. Will make you stumble because you want to figure it out. You want to do it by yourself. You want to do it. But all you need to do is to believe. And they are wondering so just believe? <laughs> only believe? How can this be? He said it's going to make people stumble. A rock that makes them fall, not just stumble, fall. But anyone who trusts in Him, again, the world believes only. Trust in him will never be disgraced. Whenever we subject God's word to rational human rationalization, the devil moves in quickly and takes advantage of that and confuses you, messes your thinking up. Well, because there are things he will show you now. You will see, how about this one, how about that one, how about? he will show you all the things. Show you, that's what I'll be showing you. And get, you walk by side, get confused, deceived, totally deceived, and he'll eat you for lunch. You're not going to change. You're not going to change. Just forget it. It doesn't work like that. Without Christ, you can do nothing. So, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders. The, uh, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law he will, he will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. He, Peter, to Peter, he shouldn't be talking like this. Because in their culture, if you die young, it's, it's considered abnormal. And here is a 33-year-old man talking about going to die. So Peter, <laughs> Peter didn't waste time to express his displeasure at what Jesus was saying. Verse 22, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him by for saying something. Peter began to rebuke him. He said, don't say things like that. Because it was not mainstream culture. Peter was thinking, this is not our culture. Don't say things like that. Where I came from, many years back, when a young person dies, the village will find out why, because their culture was supposed to be happen. After, when a young person dies, it doesn't matter, they bury the person quickly because it's considered abnormal. That's the culture then. So Peter said, sir. Reprimanded him. He's rebuke him. Don't say things like this. It doesn't happen like that. And then Peter brought in a little bit of sprinkle of religion. Heaven forbid, Lord. How can heaven forbid that Jesus would die? That's why he came. <laughs> he said, Heaven forbid, Lord. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. See, because he thinks naturally, the devil moved in. That's what the devil does all the time. He moved in. And Jesus recognized that Satan has taken over this man. Do you know how many people are motivated? You know a lot of things we do are not always motivated by God. And he made a very serious point in verse 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. This is a dangerous trap. When the Lord said, Walking by human mind is a dangerous trap for you, you better listen. Because it is. The devil uses it to trap you into confusion. And you will never walk by faith unless you switch back to the truth. 23. I'm um, 24. Um, you are sorry, 23. You are seeing things merely from human point of view, not from God. God says, "Only believe." You say, "How? How can God do you? <laughs> how can you just believe?" Yeah, that's God's point of view. That's God's point of view. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, shall have eternal life. That's God's point of view. God is done. You can think anything you want, but that's God's point of view. You can rationalize it and say, how about this, how about that. That's you. God knows all those things, but God says this is it. That's the gospel. Believe it first with all your heart. We're talking about the helmet. He said, embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace it. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways. Which means stop using your self. Your se- what is of you? Stop using your selfish ways. The things that come from man is, is from self. Self, your wisdom, your selfish wisdom. The thing can come from people. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang to your life, that's your wisdom, and you're all these kind of things, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, you are dead. You are no more thinking. Like Paul said, I'm dead. Don't think. I follow him. Whatever he says goes. Then you will find real life. That's when He will make you what you can make yourself. That's when you see the glory of God unfold in your life. Your character changes, not by your effort, it changes because the living Christ is working you to, to produce His life. So Paul warned Timothy, you know what, going through this is the helmet that protects your heart from being deceived. If you get it wrong here, there's not much God can do. because God doesn't have any other plan for us except this one. So Paul 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.20 So my son Timothy, don't forget all that has been deposited within you, Christ in you. Don't forget all that. Escape from the emptied echoes of men and the Perversion of twisted reasoning. Run away from other kind of stuff. Perversion of twisted reasoning. For those who claim to possess so-called knowledge have already wandered from the true faith. Colossians 2.6 And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and and then nonsense that come from human thinking. And from the spiritual powers of this world. See, human thinking, demonic spirits. Rather than from Christ himself. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human form. Ten. So you, are also, you, you also are complete through your union with Christ. When you come to Christ, join to Christ, you are complete. You don't need any further improvement. You are complete, brethren. And Christ is the head over every ruler and authority. You are complete. You have everything to live. The Bible says God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through Christ. So when you are joined to Christ, you are complete. Nothing is required. You can't improve on it. You can't do better than Christ joining to you. Done. Believe it. Look at our story here. Look at our story. Once you were Dead because of your disobedience and your mincemeat. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit that walks in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, but. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But here the gospel, church, in verse 4 comes the mercy of God. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much. What did he do? He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. That's the gospel. Believe it. He gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, you see, Paul said, The gospel I preached to you, he died for our sins, he was buried, he resurrected. He's talking now, he said, You see, when he, when he was resurrected, God gave us life. We rose with him in new life. You see, everything he did is about us. It's about us. It's about us. Coming to the dunghill to lift us up so we can sit with kings. It's about us. Verse six, For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly reigns because we are united with Christ Jesus. Christ in us, says the hope of Lord. He says it gives you that, that reason to, be, to, be expect, to have expectation of enjoying all the glory of God. Verse 7. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible weight of his grace and kindness towards us. He said, look, look. you want to see how merciful I am? Look at this one. Want to see how kind I am? Look at this one. You want to see? The, look at this one. What does he reveal to us? The love of God. The love of God. It humbles everybody who understands this thing and makes you cling more to God. You want to move. You, you go closer. The love of God on hand. Somebody said, what manner of love is this? That we should be called sons of God. He blew his mind. That's the gospel. That's why it's called the good news. That the sinner became a child of God. seated with God because of the grace and Messiah. And God says, only believe this thing. Just believe it. Verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. That's it. And you can't take credit for this. We read it. It is a gift from God. It's nine. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Verse 10. For we are God's master, Peace. You see what God did. The Jews wanted to achieve this, and the Bible said they failed. But the Gentiles simply trusted God. He created them His masterpiece. He produced something that nobody could produce. He created them anew. He created masterpiece. He, these people re- rejected Christ, and they, they wanted to, to obey the law. So the, God said, "Inside you're rotten. You're full of dead man's bones." But the Gentiles came and said, yeah, and the Bible said they found it. They were not trying to obey those laws. They came to God and said we are rotten. And the Bible said God created in in them, in everybody that believes, we became God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece of creation produced himself in true righteousness and holiness You can't get this by behavior. You can't get this by Ten Commandments. You can't get this by anywhere else. Except Christ comes into you. When He died, you died. When He rose, God created you Again, that's what we're talking about. That these spiritual things are not observed. So people are stumbling over it. Am I in you? <laughs> Can I be new? Get me in you. Perhaps you haven't, even, you haven't even changed too much in your behavior. But you think, how can I be new? But you are! Why? God's, that, that God's point of view. That's what God said. And when you start believing it, you start seeing it in reality. No effort. Because we live by nature, not by law. God's he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we cannot do the good things he planned for us long ago. So if we're not created anew in Christ Jesus, we can't do it. We can't do it because our own nature can't do it. Other trying to obey the law can't do it. That's why Jesus called them hypocrites. So you're a bunch of hypocrites. He said, How can, how can a good fruit come out of a battery? He asked them that question. They didn't. didn't, Oh, they say, well, Abraham's children. He said, no, no, no. You are the children of Satan. Because except the Son shall set you free, you'll be under that spirit that walketh in children of disobedience. Or except the Son delivers you from that spirit, you are in bondage to sin. The good news is we have been set free from the path of Satan by the Son of God. The good news is that we've been created. Masterpiece of God. Into righteousness and holiness. The good news is that Jesus lives in me. The greater one is in me. And because he's in me, I have overcome this world, overcome the flesh, overcome sin, overcome the devil, the greater one. Because, so how can you overcome? Because he's the one walking in me. It's his power. I do all things through his power, through his strength. So how can I fail? (laughs) Tell me what power is greater than the power that is made available through which I do all things. He said, I can do anything. I'm no more a slave. I can follow the Holy Spirit. The gospel is your hermit to cover your thinking so the devil does not show lies. And when he shows lies, he makes you see yourself as a sinner, unrighteous, unacceptable to God. How can, you, how, can, how can you operate in faith with that kind of mindset? Is that, is that God's point of view? Didn't God tell us in scripture that he made Jesus to be seen for you so that you have the righteousness of God accredited to you? So the weapons of sword of the spirit. I, I took time to talk about salvation because it's the helmet that comes. If your head is exposed you got a problem, and if you don't understand salvation and embrace it, you can't operate the sword of the spirit. You cannot. What are you going to be saying? What the devil gave you? Is that? Is that the, no, no. The sword of the spirit, like we read Ephesians 6, 17, 18, embrace the power of God of salvation of salvation through deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts. From life and take the mighty razor sharp spirit, spirit words or spoken word of God. So, the, the, the sword of the spirit is the word of God, not the word of men. It's not human wisdom. It's the same word you rejected when God told you, only believe you are saved. You rejected it. You don't have what to speak. What are you going to say? Your wisdom? Or, the, or what? What are you going to say? So, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. The same word that God told you, only believe, I shall see the glory of God. That same word, that's the word of God. Any other thing that's not the word of God, it's not the sword of the spirit. And Jesus knew that when he came here, he said, I don't speak my own words. I speak my father's words. Because the word of God is the sword of the spirit. We must understand it. It is not what, you can't be saying anything you like and say that's the sort of, no, 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 no. The weapons are supplied by God. They are not supplied, they are not canna. So it has to be the word that God gave you. But you rejected it. So what are you going to do? Ritualism? Call Jesus 10 times, 20 times. 40 days dry. 21 days, right? Look for a man of God. I said yesterday, I said miracles are cheap. But the devil has deceived people so much that they think you must, you must fast 100 days before you see a miracle. He, miracle? He. You must get the man of God to see miracle. There is no scripture that teaches that. Again, the word of men. It's not, it's not, there's no power in it. The scripture teaches us that miracles are cheap. Like I said yesterday, Paul said, okay, he that doeth miracle among you, how does he do it? He said, is it you're walking yourself out by obeying the laws? He said, no, he did it by simple. Believing the word. Believing God's word. You believe it, you see it. That's all. It's not difficult. You believe it, you see it. Paul was preaching. Somebody had him preach. And Paul looked at this and said, you have faith now to walk. A man has never walked before. Tell me how difficult is it that he just listened to Paul and believed the same something that God is teaching us and Paul said, you can walk now. No 40 days. Dry. Tell me in the Bible where they did all these things to seem one miracle. Tell me all the miracles Jesus did, how much the people suffered to experience it. Zero, nothing. They just trusted the, the God miracles. This one touched the hem of the God. miracles. They, they said, Don't come, just speak the word. God miracle. Miracle are cheap, it's cheap, cheap. God God, God, God gave us his son. What other miracle is greater than the, the living God becoming a man to come and save us? If you have that mindset that this is difficult, you also have the mindset that you have to answer prayer, is also difficult. You will never make it like that way. It is freely given, all of it. Freely given. So the sword of the spirit is the word that God gives, gives you. The gospel. The gospel. Jesus is the word, the living word. The written word reveals the living word. The word that has been, the word that was made fresh. Christ himself. You don't have anything to talk about. Paul said, I don't want to know anything except Christ crucified. He said everything to me. He says, it's our all and all. The you think that matters is Christ? The word. Again, let me repeat it. If we do not get grounded and believe the salvation of God through Christ alone, we basically have nothing to say useful that will work. Because it's that testimony of your salvation, that the Spirit will inspire, and you speak it and defend it, because the devil wants to lie to you about your salvation. That's why he said, that helmet covers your heart, so he doesn't lie to you. So when it comes to lie to you, you use that helmet and speak back to him and say, no, this salvation is true. You can't take it from me. I'm healed by his stripes. You can't take it from me. I'm righteous. He made me righteous. You can't do that. I'm a new creature. I'm not a sinner. Shut up. I'm a side of God. You can't do that. You can't do that. So all he wants to do is to lie to you about your salvation because he knows if he confuses you, there, there's else left. <laughs> You're done. So you see, that the weapon of the helmet is tied to this word to protect your thoughts from lies. Because if lies come, you speak lies. You speak lies. And you'll be defeated. Revelation 12, 11. They conquered him completely through the blood of the Lamb. So you see we're talking about the Christ on the cross. His covenant of salvation through the blood of the Lamb. And the powerful word of his testimony. They triumphed because they did not love and cling to their own lives. Even when faced with death. What does that mean? They continue to believe the testimony of God. Even when threatened with it. they say what God said is true. The blood is true. The blood did this, redeemed me. The blood, the testimony they were given, the testimony of the blood. The blood redeemed us. The blood set us free. They stood on, on, on the truth of the word. The testimony of Christ. Remember, they can't give their own testimony. It's the word of God. So the testimony they have to give is the testimony that God gave about his son. The blood. The blood. they overcame through the blood of the lamb. And then the powerful testimony, the powerful word of his testimony. They wrote it, I I read this in here, I said, the Aramaic translation says, the the Greek translation says the word of their testimony. They said, it is a faithful testimony of Jesus that has the power to destroy the works of the devil. It is a faithful testimony of the Holy Spirit The word of God, the testimony of the Holy Spirit coming from your mouth has the power to destroy the works of Satan. Psalm 107.2 Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's a testimony I'm redeemed. You can't can't put me in bondage. No, 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 I'm redeemed. I put the line right here. Satan, I'm redeemed. That's your testimony about the cross. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he had redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Why say so? You got to speak it out. That's your sword. You got to speak it out and cut every lie he's throwing your away. Cut it to shreds. Second Corinthians four thirteen. We have the same spirit of faith. According as it is written now, I have believed. Therefore, have I spoken? We also believe and therefore speak. If you believe the gospel, say so. I'm healed, say so. Sin shall not have dominion over me, say so. Christ in me has given me the hope of expecting divine glory, say so. I'm redeemed from all the causes, say so. Say so. Let the redeemed produce the sword of the world and scatter all the lives of the devil. Cut it to shreds. Cut all of them, speak it with vehement conviction. As a person in a battle, you pull it out and say, "This is what God says about me." Convince the devil that you believe this, because let me tell you something: He doesn't believe you believe it anyway. Oh yeah, he doesn't believe you believe it. That's how he will attack you, because he doesn't believe you believe it. But you pull your sword. You want to say? You want to find whether I believe it? This is what he says. I know what he says. He said, Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was confronted with the devil, spoke the Father's word. He spoke the Father's testimony. Nothing else. He didn't talk long story. Matthew 4 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said to him, It is written. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. He said, it is written. This is my father's word. It is written. My father said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded after the mouth of God. I wonder, why did Jesus say it is written? Why didn't he say, man shall not live by bread alone? Why did he say, it is written? Devil, the written word reveals the living word. It is written. Devil, it is written. Verse 5. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. The devil said, Okay, I know to say it is written. <laughs> it is written, he shall give his angel's child concerning thee, and in thy hand, in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again. He used the Father's word. He said, the words I speak are never mine. He said, that's why my testimony is true. I don't care what you do. This testimony is true. Because my father gave it to me. So he said to the devil, it is written. This is the sword of God. What God said from your mouth. The sword of the spirit. It is written. But we don't know what is written. So the word of God in our mouth has the same power as God saying it. It does not diminish in power because it came out of your mouth. Why? Because you are a member of the body of Christ. Aren't you a member of the body of Christ? Aren't you part of His body? Aren't you His mouth? Isn't it not living in you? Is it not living in you? Are you not? Don't you share His position and and His his authority and everything? Aren't you His representative on earth? So your body says something. Is it not you? So God wants to to use our mouth to pronounce this word. So in Isaiah 59, 21, as for me, this is my covenant with them. Said the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth. I put it in your mouth. Shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, including your children, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed said the Lord from henceforth forever, forever, forever. The sword of the spirit. you got to say so. When the, when the, when the, when, when the chiefs are down, open your mouth and say it is written vehemently. You overcome thoughts with words. When those thoughts fill your mind, you say, no, it is written, Satan, it is written, you're a liar. This is what God says. You give the testimony of God. Joshua 1, 8, This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth, Shall not depart out of their mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein, therein, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shall thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You want to succeed in confrontation with the enemy? This word will not depart out of their mouth. Stop telling long stories here and there. When you talk, ask yourself, whose word is this? Where is this one coming from? Where is this coming from? Is this the testimony Jesus gave? Even in conversation, you know we converse and we we don't know we are giving testimony that God didn't give us. And those count, all of them count. Hebrew 11.3. Through faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made by the things which do appear. You don't look for what God has done in the area of things which appear. Believe is in the area, not seen. You come there, you say so. Just say so. Just keep saying so. See, the word in your mouth creates life or death. Mark eleven twelve. On the morrow, Mark eleven twelve. On the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Thirteen, and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found not but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Fourteen. Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples had it. 19. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter called to remember and said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree. Quit that, because it is withered away. And Jesus said something amazing. Totally Amazing. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Have faith in God. You can do the same. So otherwise he was using it to teach us that we can disallow things by what we say. The Lord asked somebody, you know, somebody was giving a testimony. How the Lord asked him, he said, I've not had you cause the sickness. Have you ever cu- why are you not causing that sickness? Cause it to die, it has life. Because it has life, it's doing something in your body. Cause it to die. He said, my son, cost the tree. Didn't you learn anything? Cause it to die and say, you're not bringing forth life anymore. I caused this sickness in Jesus' name. You're not bringing forth any life anymore. The thing will die. You disallow it. Jesus disallowed it from bearing fruit. You disallow it. This sickness, I cost you. Like Jesus caused that tree. I cost life out of you. You will not bear life anymore. You are dead in Jesus' name. You disallow it. The Lord said to him, He said, Have you caused that, that thing? He, he said, No. He said, So what are you waiting for? Verse 22, Mark eleven twenty-two. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, You can disallow this mountain from staying here. Say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, Be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the things which he said, if he believes that they come to pass, he shall have whatever, whatsoever, he said, whatsoever. Whatever is whatsoever. You cause a sickness and you can't be here. Jesus said, if you believe if you believe in what you say, say we'll go. We can't be quoting sky, what disallow. Disallow this now. Get up and disallow and so say, You're not going to be here. I don't allow you here. In Jesus' name, you won't be here. And believe it in your heart, because the Lord said, "Whatsoever He said, whatsoever includes what." You're not talking. Whatsoever includes what? Everything. Question is: How many have we been disallowing now? How many have we stood up and said, "This is not going to happen here"? It's a mountain. You get that in Jesus' name. You're not happening in this family. No, 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 you're not happening here in the name of Jesus. I don't allow you. Out you go. You are not say, No, 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 no. And believe that it will go. It's not what you say. You're going to be checking. It looks like it's not going, it's not going anywhere. It can't be, can be saying one thing today and another thing tomorrow. Mark eighteen, eighteen. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Which one have we forbidden? Look, God gave us the key to operate his kingdom. Period. If you don't want to operate it, stop bothering God. All the authority he gave us, what for? He gave us to use it. He told us, hey, if you say the mountain move, believe it move, why should it move? Because you represent Christ. You have his authority. You reign on earth. The Bible says why the word of a king is there's authority. You reign on it. That's what the gospel teaches us, that we have been created masterpiece of God. We have the nature of God. Christ in us gives us the expectation to share divine glory. Divine glory is power, authority that God has. We are, we, 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 we are conjoined hands with Jesus. We equally share with his, his authority. So I can speak in his name and say, yeah, I'm a son of God. I can say it. Because my I'm the son of God. I'm a son of God. I'm joined to Christ and speaking on his behalf. You're moving. You're not going to walk in. If you forbid it on earth, you'll be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit. <laughs> whatever is whatever. We're talking about spiritual war. Spiritual war. Spiritual war. The weapon of the word. Speak it and forbid things. Speak it and say, it's not going to happen here. In Jesus' name, I insist. I insist you are not happening here. You know, the sword is amazing. Man, it's amazing. You can determine the outcome of something before it happens. It's amazing what God gave his children to do. And we're not doing them. You can determine by the word you speak, the word of God, how things will end, and it will end like that. Aren't we told to be imitators of God? Isn't that what we're told to be? I mean, if you have to imitate God, God is what to create. You use what to say. The woman with this issue of blood, she stood up and said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Who decided the outcome of this thing? She did. Jesus, not even Jesus. She decided it. He said, oh well, yeah. If I touch it, I shall be made whole. Jesus said, you shall have whatsoever you say. She believed it. And it worked for her. And Jesus said, who touched me? She said so. That's the outcome of this. The centurion said, you don't have to come, sir. Speak the word only. And my servant shall be made whole. He determined the outcome. It wasn't Jesus. No, no, no. No, no. had nothing to do with it. And Jesus said, Wow, I've never seen this kind of faith before in Israel. It's not here. The man said, You say it, this will happen. You say it, sort of the spirit. It's, it's an attacking thing. You take it and preempt things. You use it and preempt something. And say, This is the way this thing will went. Have we done that? Do we use the sword? David stood before Goliath and began to tell Goliath how the battle will end. A 12-year-old boy began to declare how this battle will end. Why? Because he said, he said these are armies of the living God. Yes, because God has covenant with them. With their father Abraham, he said, whoever touches you, who touches me. If anybody causes you, I curse them. David said, we and God were in the covenant. You touch us, he touches you. So he began to tell the man, First Samuel 17, 45, David replied to the Philistine, you came to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of armies of Israel, whom you defied. He says, God, has are certain here. 46, today, <laughs> oh, my God. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Listen to what he's saying. he conquer you. And I will kill you. And cut off your head. And then I will give the, the dead bodies of your men to the best and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So this is what God is going to do. Have we ever boasted in the name of God like this? Twenty forty seven. And everyone assembling here will know that the Lord rescued His people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his separate bag. The rest of you understand the whole thing. But the point I want to bring here is, this battle was won here. It was won here before they set up. David pronounced what he believed in the name of the God of Israel and said he fought the battles of Israel. He's in a covenant with us. He's our God. The the, the, the oracles of God was given to us. The service of God was given to us. We're God-chosen people in a covenant through our Father. Who are you? Say, who are you? Philistine? Circumcised? He said, today, this is what our God will do. This is what our God will do. He decided the outcome before Goliath showed up. Goliath didn't know he was a dead man. As far as that battle was concerned, it was over. Why? Somebody drew a sword, unseen sword, the word of God, and pronounced what God will do because of his covenant relationship with his people. He said, these are armies of the living God you are toying with. He said, you are defying God, not man. Peter said, you don't know what you are doing. You are lying to the Holy Spirit. Let us rise and use the sword. It works. Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you for challenging us today to be people who use your sword. To speak your word. Your word creates. Your word pulls out and plants. Your word disallows things. We use this sword to do anything. I pray, Lord, that you give us a revelation of the sword of your spirit. The word of God. Not human reasoning. Not all this walking by sight it's when we face the Goliath to say to that Goliath, This is what the word of the Lord says about you. So that the name of the Lord will be glorified. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are not victims. We reign here on earth. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray.